Hello, everybody. This is Steve Hutto, and I want to thank you for joining me on my podcast. Today, we're beginning a new series. This is part one of a teaching entitled, A Living and Holy Sacrifice. That's what we're going to be talking about. Again, this is part one. I hope you enjoy it, and I pray that you were blessed. Thanks again, and God bless you. I want to share with you um, from Romans chapter 12, verse 1, if you will go there, Romans 12, 1, we will have it on the overhead as well. And I want to talk to you this morning about a living and holy sacrifice. A living and holy sacrifice. And I'm going to start with Romans 12, 1, as you can see. This is what it says, and I, I actually read, just so you'll know, from the New American Standard Version, it might be a little bit different from what you were used to, but Romans 12, 1, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now that goes along really well with verse 2. He says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And really, over the years, I've had a tendency, as a minister of the Word and as a pastor, I've had a tendency to really concentrate on verse 2 even more than verse 1. But lately I'm seeing here that you really can't effectively fulfill verse 2 until you understand and apply verse 1 in your life. In other words, it's kind of hard. I'm not saying you can't do this, but it's, it's harder to effectively renew your mind even with the Word of God if you're not presenting yourself to God as a living and holy sacrifice that it's also acceptable, which simply means pleasing to God. And so I want to concentrate more today on verse 1. Let me read it again. Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies. I like that, bodies, the Greek word soma, which means a body. Imagine that. He says, as living and holy sacrifices, or a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now, I want to start at the end of that verse where it says, a, uh, excuse me, uh, which is your spiritual service of worship. And this is why, because this is the reason, or this, this kind of nails the purpose, one of the purposes for verse 1, for being a living and holy sacri sacrifice presented unto God. So what is that? You know, what is our spiritual service of worship? I studied the word spiritual, logikos, which simply means pertaining to reason and thereby reasonable, your reasonable worship. I believe the King James actually says that. And also the word, it means um, rational. So he's talking about our spiritual or our rational, our reasonable service of worship. And what that tells us, y'all, is this. It's something that makes sense. 
you know, we tend to sometimes take away from the words like logic and logical because we don't want to be unspiritual, but God does give us a brain. He does. And so this is the logical thing to do, and here's how I receive that. It doesn't matter who you are, male, female, doesn't matter if you're from Alabama or Mississippi, doesn't matter if you're an Ole Miss fan or that other one. I'm just kidding. But anyway, what matters is this. Whoever you are, if you're born again of the Spirit of God, then it is your reasonable, logical service of worship to present yourself as a living and holy sacrifice to God. Does that make sense? It does, because it's logical. (laughs) It makes sense. And so that's what God really expects from any of us, not not just me or Pastor Jimmy or, or somebody in ministry or whatever, but it's all of us. We have to present ourselves to God as living and holy, acceptable to God, sacrifices. Now listen to what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a holy priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you might proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. I want to focus on one thing, a royal priesthood. I mean, that whole verse has a lot in it. But a royal priesthood is who we are. We've been made that way by the blood of Jesus and His sacrifice for us. We're a holy nation. We're a royal priesthood. So what do priests do? They administer and worship in behalf of the people. They give worship to God. They offer sacrifices to God in behalf of the people, but they also offer to God sacrifices in behalf of themselves, and above all, they're just called to worship God. And it doesn't matter who you are. So never have the the thought or the attitude that, you know, I'm not, I'm not worthy or I don't have to because I'm not responsible for preaching or whatever, that's wrong. We're all responsible to, to present ourselves to God living in holy sacrifices. So, it is rational worship to present your bodies to God as living in holy sacrifices. Let's talk about that. Living and holy sacrifices sacrifices. Romans 12, verse 1. Again, therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, soma. It also means a slave, so we have control over how we present to God, but he says our bodies, a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now, I am about to say something You might want to hang on to your seat. You might want to get ready to take a note of this because it's life-changing and it is deeply profound, if I may use those words. And here it is. A living sacrifice is a sacrifice that is alive, not dead. Did you catch that? A living sacrifice. 
a living, a living sacrifice is a sacrifice that is alive and not dead. Now, I'm messing with you. I know that that won't go over your head. That's not, it is profound spiritually and uh, logically as well. A living sacrifice is alive. It's not dead. Now, you know this, I'm sure, but under the old covenant, sacrifices had to die. I have never heard of, now I may be wrong, I don't know everything, but I have never heard of a sacrifice under the old covenant sacrificial system that was allowed to live other than the scapegoat and maybe, I'm not sure, some of the turtle doves or whatever, but basically, under the old covenant, the old sacrifices, uh, animal sacrifices, had to die. Now listen to this. The Old Testament sacrifices were constant reminders that the wages of sin is what? Death. So something had to die because of man's sin. We know that through Adam, Paul teaches on this as well, that when sin entered in, when they, f they fell in the Garden of Eden, we know that sin entered. Sin came in when they fell. But what else came in with sin? Death. Death. Not just physical death, but spiritual death. We were separated from God by that sin. And the sin, the wages, excuse me, of sin is always death. Think about your own walk with Jesus. We're not exempt from the wages of sin. We might be saved. Thank God for that. And we're going to heaven when we die. We're not going to hell. We're born again by the Spirit of God. We're His, not ours or not the devil's anymore. Thank God for that. But think about it. You open the door to sin in your life. Satan's going to say, um, I'm sorry, wrong, wrong, wrong address. Let me move on to the next one. I don't think so. <laughs> you open the door to sin in your life. What's going to happen? Death's going to come in. Death's going to come. I don't, I'm not saying you're going to die a physical death. I'm saying this, that when you, uh, somebody said it like this, what, whatever, you, whatever you focus on, that's what you're going to worship, basically. But I mean, if we open the door to sin as a Christian, we're going to be affected by that sin. We're going to be affected. It's that simple. And so that's the importance, of course, as born-again believers of presenting ourselves to God as living and holy sacrifices acceptable or pleasing to God. And I have no problem believing this, that if a sacrifice is living and holy, it will be accepted by God. It will please God. So... Romans 3.23, 6.23, we know this, says for the wages of sin. It's actually in the Scriptures. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is, is the opposite of that. It's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, again, as a result of sin, as a result of mankind's sin, something had to die. And you could even see the grace of God in the Old Testament. Because we, we, we were supposed to just drop dead every time we sinned. 
But instead, God chose to let an animal die in our place. An animal poured out, they poured out the blood of an animal in the sacrifices by God's infinite grace instead of us having to pour out our own blood. You see? And so God set this in, in motion or in place, and death for the animal meant that his blood would be poured out. I want you to see that. I want you to think about it. I'm, I'm sure you know this, but death for the animal, which died in, in, in the place of the people of Israel and for the sins of Israel on the Day of Atonement and so forth, that death of the animal meant that his blood would, pour, would be poured out. But listen now to Leviticus 17.11. This is such a picture of Jesus. Man, I'm telling you. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And God tells Moses, he says, I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is by the blood, excuse me, it is the blood by reason of the life that makes atonement. So why was the animal sacrifice necessary? Well, first, the animal had to die. How did he die? By shedding his blood. What's in his blood? The life of the animal. So when the blood spilled on the altar, you know what happened? The life of that blood atoned for, or in the Old Testament sense, covered over our sins and kept God from just zapping all of humanity out of existence. That's pretty cool, y'all. I like that. So we see a beautiful picture of Jesus pouring out his blood for us on the cross. What's so significant about that? Well, I could do a series on that, but one thing, when he shed his blood, he poured out his life because his life is in the flesh of the sacrifice, and that happened to be Jesus. Now, how's that possible? Well, you know all this, but Jesus was conceived in the Virgin Mary by the Holy Spirit, not by the seed of man. I just love this about Jesus. It's so cool. Listen. When he was born, we know he was born a human, right? Correct. He was born a human being. But because he wasn't conceived of the seed of man, but of the Spirit of God, when he was born a baby, he was born of God. Now, shouldn't that be the goal for we humans born into a life of sin and born into uh, to a handrail on the way to hell, you know? <laughs> it's like, but he was born of God. And so when he poured out his blood, there was no sin nature there. It wasn't tainted by the seed of man. So when he poured out his blood for us on Calvary, that life in the blood didn't just cover over our sins, but it obliterated sin. Man, what a sacrifice. And so when that blood was poured out, the life was in the blood, and the life wasn't human life, alone, it was eternal life. Jesus was born by the imperishable seed of the Word of God. I mean, He was born imperishable. We were born perishable. So Jesus atones for us. Now that when we accept Jesus Christ, you know this, we become born again. But why are we born again? 
Because we now are walking, we're new, new creatures in Christ, and now we're walking in that newness of life that was in the blood of Jesus when he poured it out on the cross. I'm telling you what, that, I'm going to do a somersault here in a minute or a cartwheel or something, a backflip, and I can't do any of those. You know it'll be the Holy Spirit. Get ready to call 911. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So Jesus... I mean, I, I just love this. I could, I could spend all day. I won't. But Jesus died one time for everybody. But the good news is Jesus didn't stay dead. So when he, when he shed his blood and then he rose three days later, it was, it was enacted in us. It was activated, so to speak, as he came up out of the grave with that same life that was in his blood that he poured out for us that he took back up again now after dealing with sin and he never has to die again. So when we receive Jesus, we are the righteousness of God in him. And so we belong to him, and it is just logical then that we live a life dedicated to him. You see, in this culture, we were talking a little bit about this this morning, Pastor Jimmy, and I were, in this culture, the gospel is not really the, the, the complete gospel. I'm not saying it's wrong, but I, we focus on this. If you die tonight, next week, five years from now, where are you going to go? And they say that, and that's true. It's very, very critical, very crucial that we get that ironed out immediately right up front. But we don't teach people that when you accept Jesus, you don't belong to you anymore. You're his. He knows best. He knows what's better for us. And from that point on, the moment we accept Jesus, we're no longer going to hell, thank God. We're going to heaven whenever we die. But the word here, presenting our bodies, our soma, as living sacrifices, he's talking about saved bodies, presenting our, some versions say ourselves, but soma literally means a human body. And so... When we get saved, then we begin that life as no longer going to hell but going to heaven, but that life just starts. These bodies need to be presented to Jesus as living and holy sacrifices acceptable to God every day of our life because from the point of salvation to the day we do leave this life, we're here to serve God. We're a royal priesthood offering to Him sacrifices, living sacrifices, ourselves as living sacrifices and holy sacrifices 24-7. Now that's the living part, praise God. Jesus made us alive together and we live for Him for the rest of our lives. Too many times we say, well, all you got to do is pray this prayer and you'll go to, you'll go to heaven and you won't go to hell. The person prays the prayer. They don't really understand what's going on because we don't say you got to sell out, son, sir, ma'am. <laughs> And so they may mean it, and sometimes they don't mean it. But usually those that mean it, you will see the change. And, uh, but we need to let people know we need to preach the whole gospel. 